law enforcement reform, and the radicalized social media world. This is the Federal Chronicles Radio Show for April 26th, 2021. Jason Cousin, Owen I, Eric Render King Fisk tackle the complex topic of racism, police brutality, and how social media and the news outlets goes to extremes in covering specific tragic events. Jay and I also discuss how nobody really knows what they're going to do when confronted with random violence and dangerous people until something actually happens. Also, we revisit the Oka standoff in Quebec, Canada, 31 years ago. This is such a loaded topic and that there are so many different ways that we could go wrong because, I mean, obviously we're two middle-aged white men and we we don't understand fully the experience for black people here in the United States. But But we also understand that the conviction of Derek Chauvin, former police officer, for the murder of George Floyd, it's it's huge obviously it's huge news right. but it's also a ticking time bomb you know i mean what what can we say that's going to add to the discussion that isn't going to piss off half of our audience that's that whenever you're doing a podcast that's what you have to be concerned about that's what you have to be worried about because right. it's and so just, it, yeah go ahead go ahead it's no, it's so easy to be flippant and sensational and say crazy off the wall things for attention, not knowing or not realizing or not caring that you could possibly make things worse and you could make yourself a target by simply trying to be sensational and say things right. that you might not actually really mean. And I, I want to be absolutely, totally, perfectly clear before we say anything else. I completely, totally agree with the conviction of Derek Chauvin. I completely, totally agree that he should face life in prison for the murder of George Floyd. Yes. I don't care about George Floyd's past. I don't care at all about his criminal record. I don't care about anything, whatever, whatever happened in George Floyd's past is not an excuse for what happened to him. Right. And regardless of what happened in his past, he's still a human being. He's still human. Right. Now I got into an argument with my daughter about it because the one thing that I question is not the results of the, of his trial. I don't really question that at all. I question the events that kind of led up to it. You know, um, I saw an interesting video the other day where someone said they had an opportunity, they meaning the Black Lives Matter movement had an opportunity to actually attack what they've been saying is the problem the entire time, which is systemic racism. And they didn't. They laid all the blame on the on the head of one person. So I'm not sure if that is the right direction that they should have gone in. But again, I have no pony in this race. You know, I, I don't I don't know what it's like to be walking while black. I don't know 
you know, I have anecdotal testimony, for lack of a better term, from friends that I have that have been called out simply because they were black in the wrong place kind of thing. Um, but even then, they tend to blow that off as just either they really were in the wrong place or they were doing something that was suspicious or, you know, that's just not been their standard experience. So it's such a complex issue that for either of us to just spout off as saying, well, they don't understand this or, you know, that's not how it works or whatever, when we don't know. And how could we do research on it? How could we, how could we experience that? There's been a lot of comedies that show people dressing up as either, you know, a white guy dressing up as a black guy and putting on makeup or a black guy dressing up as a white guy and putting on makeup. But they're comedies for a reason, because realistically, that wouldn't work. You know, we and how can you find out what it's like to be black? How can you do that research? We just don't. That's outside of our experience. Well, obviously, talking to other black people would be the first step. I, right. I And I work with people who are black who are in various different positions throughout the entire company at the day job. And, and some of the things that they tell me is that there's, there's no way that I can understand. There's no way that I can um, truly fully understand what it is like to be somebody who's black in, you know, in a region that's predominantly white and that, People just look at them differently or suspiciously if they're a black person in a white neighborhood. Well, and that's kind of that's kind of the point. Like in all of those those comedies that I mentioned, right? At the end, there's always some sort of discussion where it's like, even though you may have experienced some of it, you don't know what it's like because you didn't grow up black and you knew you could take it off at the end of the day. Right. And it was not going to be your lot in life for the rest right, of your life. Right. You know, so I whereas I tend to think there's no systemic racism. In other words, there's no racism that's built into law or process and procedure. Right. I tend to believe that is not the case. Martin Luther King was extremely successful in rooting that out. I do think there is a problem with endemic racism, but I don't know how widespread it is. And the problem comes in is that we need to look for evidence of it. And until you have a preponderance of evidence for it, you need to treat every case as an individual case. Just because one cop is corrupt doesn't mean all cops are corrupt. No, absolutely not. And that's the other you thing know, that... Exactly. And that's that's the other part of this. This is where you start getting into a really nuanced sort of stance on this is that the reality is it's not simple. No, it's right? not. It's like someone saying that all Republicans are Nazis. Where's your evidence for that? Are there some, some, you know, members of the neo-Nazi party that vote Republican? Absolutely. Yeah. But that doesn't mean every Republican is a neo-Nazi. Just like there are Democrats who are pro-gun, are anti-gun control they're pro-gun right right not every democrat is an anti-gunner you know so we can't jump to these conclusions just because someone fits in one bin doesn't mean that there's a series of bins they also fit in 
because we as humans are very complex people, very complex creatures, you know, and it doesn't matter if you're black or white, if you're Asian, Hispanic, or any of the other myriad of of flavors of humanity that are out there. You are a complex individual, and it is unfair for any individual to be judged by the actions of a separate individual. Yeah. You know, it's at the root of a lot of the problems we have today in our political discourse. You know, oh, you're a Trump supporter. No, I'm not. Why do you think I am? Right. Well, you're, an- you're anti-gun control, so that doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything at all. Right. You know, oh, well, you're... You're just a socialist. No, I'm not. Why do you think that? Well, you voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016. That doesn't mean anything. Right. There are people who voted for Hillary Clinton just because they hated Donald Trump and they have nothing in common with Hillary Clinton. And vice versa. There are people who voted for Donald Trump because Hillary Clinton was just so despised. Exactly. So that doesn't mean that because... They fit into one bin that everyone that there's a series of bins that also follow suit. And it's some people say it's identity politics. I don't know if that's an accurate descriptor for it. But what it boils down to is that you even have some movements that are trying to include that in them. Like one of the problems my my daughter is active in the LGBTQ plus community. And one of the problems they have is that. You know, when she's talking to people in that community, they make assumptions about her. Well, she must be a liberal. She must be a socialist. She must be. And these are people within the community talking to her as if they expect her to follow suit with all of that. You know, and she's like, I'm not anti-gun, you know, and a large number of people in that community are anti-gun and believe that being anti-gun is a requirement for membership in the community. You know, it's like the other you know, I, I, it's just there's so much examples I could give of how you can be a member of one group but not believe in what is commonly thought of as associated with that group, you know? So for us to comment or for me personally to comment on Derek Chauvin, I think he's guilty based on the evidence I've seen. And no, I didn't watch the entire trial. But based on the evidence I've seen, I think he's guilty of murder. Was it? Vicious murder of forethought. In other words, did he go into that trap, that situation saying, I'm going to kill this guy? I don't know. But the end result is that he had plenty of opportunity to stop what he was doing, to verify he was not killing the guy, and he didn't. It's not easy. You know, um, just as soon as we got the murder conviction of Derek Chauvin, and by watching the video, And I've seen the video. I've seen the video too many times to count. There's absolutely no way you can look at this video and say that he did not commit murder. Or he killed, I mean, Derek Chauvin killed George Floyd. Or let me rephrase that. I can't look at the video and say, oh no, Derek Chauvin didn't do anything wrong. He's clearly in the right. I can't do that. I look at what Derek Chauvin did. I look at what he did in the context of that video. And George Floyd said he couldn't breathe and he died. You're watching a man die on video. Right. And that's a horrible. I mean, if you watch the entire, I'm not sure. Did you watch the full video? Like when they're talking to him while he's sitting in the car? I believe um, I may not have. 
Okay, because when he's the, the full video, and it's like a 20-minute video or something like that. It's ridiculously long. The full video shows when he's in the car, he's complaining about not being able to breathe. So I get that. But someone sitting in the car saying they can't breathe is very different than someone laying on the ground face down with your knee on their neck saying they can't breathe. I understand the skepticism that some people have with that, but at some point, he's no longer resisting. There is no longer a need for him to be restrained in such a restrictive manner. And that's what it boils down to for me is that, you know, you can have all of the excuses you want, and there's a lot of them to be had. He was complaining about not being able to breathe before they even touched him when he was sitting in the car. He was complaining about not being able to breathe after they had gotten him out of the car. And he got himself out of the car, by the way. They convinced him to get out. When I say that, that's what I mean. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, lot of, in that video, a lot of him saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Well, we know it's because he was having an overdose. We know that now. But in the moment at the time, you can't honestly say that, at least in my opinion, if I was there, I would have been like, dude, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you 100% sure this guy can breathe and he's just making this shit up? Because it often, it sounds a lot like he can't breathe. Because the tone of voice that he uses when he's in the car saying, oh, I can't breathe, is a lot different than when he was on the ground going, I can't breathe. Yeah, exactly. So you got to, as, as a police officer, as, as someone who is in those situations, you've got to be able to evaluate that. And I'm saying that because that's what I heard from a lot of police officers that I've discussed this with. You know, you have to be the one to evaluate the situation. One of the cops I discussed this with, I discussed it with him for his first day back on the job after he shot and killed somebody. And he went through the mandatory evaluation, the psychological evaluation, the situational evaluation, all that kind of stuff. So he was basically suspended for... I think it was I think he said it was six weeks while he was going through all this mandatory stuff. And one of the things he pointed out to me was that when you're in that situation and your adrenaline is pumping, there is a part of you that you have to be able to take a step back and evaluate what you're doing and are you doing it for the right reasons. In his case, it was a guy that was high on drugs that was waving a gun around. It was a revolver, and they found out afterwards that he had one shot left in the revolver. But it, there was no way you can tell that. There's literally no way you can tell if a revolver is loaded at all unless you have it in your hands and you can you can separate the cylinders, you know, separate the cylinder from the remainder of the weapon. And the guy was waving it around and saying, I'm going to kill you motherfuckers. And so he shot because it was, it was in a trailer park. There was a bunch of people around. Guy's got a gun. Looks real. And is saying he's going to kill people. You do what you have to do. And he did. And he was found innocent. And this is the guy who's telling me, you know, when the adrenaline's pumping, you've got to be able to take a step back and do that fraction of self-reflection. Is this the right thing? You know, am I doing this? Am I saving a life by doing this? Or do I believe I'm saving a life by doing this? Right. And that situation that he was in is drastically different than what Derek Chauvin found himself in. I think that what also disturbs me a little bit about all of this is that somehow this fixes everything, meaning that his conviction, Derek Chauvin's conviction. Of course it doesn't. It doesn't doesn't fix fix shit. It doesn't fix shit. It doesn't fix. 
it's a lot of people were posting about how they felt when they heard the conviction they were hyperventilating and it's like they were they were jubilant they were like relieved they were excited all these happy platitudes and whatever and it's and i'm just like this is just one conviction right and i'm just going to say something this is not just about george floyd and derek chauvin no because there are a lot of great cops out there. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of great cops who who put their lives on the line to serve and protect our communities. But there are also a lot of cops out there who are just bad fucking cops. Yeah, there are people who have no business being in a uniform. They're good cops and they're bad cops. Yeah, that's obvious. PhD and duh. The biggest problem that we're having with this topic is because you can actually tell you can hear that we're choosing our words carefully. This was one conviction. This is one bad cop so far. I don't know if the other cops are going to be um, convicted of accessories or, or what. I don't know what's going to happen with the other cops. I don't know. Yeah. The simple fact of the matter remains that we live in a, a society with not systemic racism, but systemic incompetence and corruption. Whereas bad people get into positions of power in society and they rule through intimidation. They rule through fear. If there's a cop who's dirty, there's not much that you can do about that unless you can actually go after the system, go after, you know, talk with other cops, talk with others. That is is the other part of this political football that we find ourselves discussing why we're not discussing, right, is some people are looking at this as a conviction of the entire police department. It's not. It is not a conviction of the police department. It is a conviction of an individual, right, which is the point of that one um, video that I saw from that one commentator. I forget who it was, um, is that they could have made this about the system, but that would have meant that Derek Chauvin was not guilty. Right. So he wouldn't have been convicted if he was part of a corrupt system because he's just a cog in the machine. He couldn't have corrected anything. He couldn't, well, he could have done something different, but if that was the policies and procedures of the machine he was in, the problem is with the machine and not with the individual. So they, in order to convict him, which they had to do to prevent riots, which is another reason why a lot of people are saying that this was a, a mock trial more than a real trial, is how it was all done with all of the, the, um, the jurors are local to Minneapolis. And it's impossible or unreasonable to think that someone in Minneapolis was unaware of this case prior right, to right. the case going to court. Right. And they all knew that if they don't convict the dude, they were going to see more riots. Right. Like and, and you know? Maxine Waters was stroke was stroking the well, flames. She, well, she got herself into some some shit. There's actually a another congressperson who's saying if she doesn't get censored by Nancy Pelosi, I'm going to start impeachment trial against her. Yeah. For inciting violence. And in all honesty, having listened to what Maxine Waters said, I think they're right. You can't let people say shit like that. If Trump was guilty of inciting the 
horrible events on January 6th where people stormed the fucking Capitol. Maxine Waters is guilty of inciting a riot. Absolutely. There's, and that's undeniable. Right. Anyone who listens to what she says without a biased ear will hear her calling people to do violence, telling yeah. them, if what we want doesn't happen, you have to do violence. It's, And that's part of the whole complexity of the situation, right? Because just by bringing that up, now it's no longer about that case. Now the discussion is being shifted, right? So what people need to understand, I think, coming out of this is that this was a conviction of an individual who did something wrong. And most reasonable people can agree that they did something wrong. Is what they did murder with malice aforethought? Probably not, but it's still murder and they still deserve a guilty conviction, right? Absolutely. So what does it, yeah, so, so what does, what does this conviction prove, if anything? I think it's, a, it, it, it has to be a case-by-case basis. You cannot paint all black people who have been murdered by cops with the same broad brush. You can't paint all cops with a broad brush. One of the things that I don't know if we are prepared to talk about is the cop shooting of this black young woman who was having a fight at the end of someone's driveway with a knife. And she was shot four times because she was about to stab another young black woman. Right. And now the problem with that is I understand it. And again, I haven't seen any of the videos. I've only, I've only heard commentary about it. Um, the problem comes in there is that was it a wrongful shooting? Well, if you, they were shooting to save a life, then it's not a wrongful shooting, right? That is not a corrupt cop who's taking joy out of taking the life of a young black person if they were doing it to save another life, right? Right. But there's so much that's, you know, people are bringing up that honestly is not terribly relevant. Like, well, she was actually, and she was the defender in the case. Well, if the cop didn't see her defending herself, then no, she wasn't, you know? The cop only knows what they know when they arrive on scene. They don't have time to do a round of interrogations of all of the witnesses and find out what's going on. The cop shows up on scene, sees a woman attacking another woman with a knife, trying to kill her. They have no idea what went on before then. If the cop tried to get her to stop stabbing, and this is another thing. Well, they said stop stabbing, but then they didn't give her any time to comply. Well, how much time, how much of that other person's blood should be shed when you would consider it enough time to comply in the heat of the moment it's very difficult to evaluate those things you know and so there's again this that's another very complex situation it may not seem like it on the surface but it is you know if you're going to take someone's life if you want our cops to be you know there's of the peace which a lot of people seem to think that that's what the police should be doing. Whether right. the police think that or not is somewhat irrelevant at this stage. Then how much time should we force them to evaluate a situation before they're able to determine that there is a life at stake? Because sometimes you have fractions of a second to make an evaluation before someone is getting stabbed. And who's to say someone sitting calmly in court 
months and weeks later, isn't going to say, well, they didn't evaluate the situation appropriately. You know, they're just, they became judge and jury. They deemed that the person was making that action when in actuality they weren't. Right. Here's another aspect to this. Mm-hmm. And it's rare that I talk about this where it's, um, it's very, it would be very easy for people to misconstrue what it is that I'm, I'm about to say. But this was a very difficult period in my life back in the summer of 1990. Whereas um, my father and I moved to a town on the Canadian border or close to the Canadian border near Messina, New York, which is, okay. which is right on the, um, the Canadian border um, it's, it's right on the shores of, um, the St. Lawrence river. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing that a lot of people don't know of the Oka standoff. If you do a Google search for the Oka standoff, it's, that. what's that? Spell it. O K A standoff. Or it's called the Oka crisis. And this went from July 11th to September 26th, 1990. The Oka crisis was a land dispute between a group of Mohawk people and the town of Oka, Quebec, Canada, which began on July 11th and lasted 78 days until September 26th with two fatalities. So um, the Mohawk people were pissed because of all things, a country club wanted to seize more land for their golf course that was abutting a reservation. This is an oversimplification of, but it was pretty much like, this is like the, this is like they, the, the Mohawk people in the region had enough of the bullshit is essentially what was going on. Mm-hmm. And all the native American tribes along the Canadian border also started similar campaigns or blockades in the region in support of the Mohawk people in the town of Oka, Quebec, Canada. Uh-huh. All right. And this is, and it, like I had said, and it was the summer of 1990. Now I was working for a company that no longer exists. I can just say it was, I was working for Rent-A-Vision. Whereas uh-huh. it's like, it's a knockoff of Rent-A-Center. Right. And when I first started working there, the delinquency rate, meaning the people who had not paid their bill in at least a week, was close to 70%. And most of the people who were on the delinquency list were Native Americans who were showing solidarity with the Mohawk people and not paying any of their bills. They were just saying, no, no, we're not, we're not. Not, we're not paying any of this, these these bills. We're not paying our electric bill. No, we're not paying our water bill. We're not paying uh, um, our car. We're not making our car payments. Pretty much they shut down the economy in various regions along the St. Lawrence River that I knew of. So, of course, we had delinquencies up to 70% because Native Americans showing solidarity with the Mohawk people were not paying their bills. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to go. And I had to, as the repo man, as it were, I had to go and I had to go back again, either get their payments 
or get their items. Right. Not knowing, having any idea of what the hell was going on. Right. And this is one of those red flags that go off in your head when your boss says, hey, listen, don't don't read the newspapers. There's just there's nothing but bad news and it's a distraction. You have a job to do. Okay. Right. So so I go to a lot of these places. I drive on to many Native American reservations or, quote, Indian reservations, unquote, because that's Mm -hmm. what they were called by my boss. Eric, you need to go to this Indian reservation and get this item, whether it was a widescreen TV or and back when there was widescreen TVs, I'm not talking flat screens. I mean, I'm talking about yeah. like, you know, 50 pound freaking television. still CRTs. Yes. Yeah. Giant freaking picture tubes, you know, um, that weigh more than a small child. <laughs> And I had they weighed more than a decent sized child. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you you look at a like a widescreen TV in the 1990s and we're talking about something that could have taken up like some of these like could have easily taken up at least like a quarter of my son's room. Yeah. And I have to go and I have to retrieve some of these items, not knowing what was going on in the news. And many times I was told told as a white man to kindly go fuck myself or other various people within my family. If you can imagine, Mm -hmm. they're not doing, they're not doing shit. They're not paying. They're not giving back the item. They're not making the payments. I can just kindly go fuck myself and so on. So I would go back (laughs) empty handed. And my boss at the time, Mike had said, no, no, you need to go back and you need to get those items or get the payment. And you need to do it or you're fired. Not knowing what was going on. Right. So the thing is, is that there was near Messina, New York, there's you, you drive on this on this island that's in the middle of, of the river. And um, there is these like the Canadian police there at the bar. I didn't realize that I crossed into <laughs> Canada I was, you know, I was, it was a, 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 a territory that was under the jurisdiction of the Canadian police. Right. And there was a barricade. And I drove up to the barricade and I, and I says, I need to see your ID and, and your registration. And I, and, uh, and I need to know what, what are you doing, eh? <laughs> and, and I told him, I said, I have to go and I, I have to retrieve this item or at least get the payment. And these two Canadian Mountain Police, so the Canadian police looked at me and they laughed and says, no, they don't have to do shit. <laughs> do you have any idea what the hell is going on right now? Uh, no. Uh, yeah, there's there's this thing called the the uh, Oka standoff. <laughs> there's been shootings. <laughs> yeah, there are his words, not mine. There are Indians with guns. Yeah. And they're angry and they're pissed. Yeah. Good they, job, boss. Right. And here's the thing. You cross this barricade. We let you through this barricade. And they kill you. They shoot you or they stab you or they scalp you. His words, not mine. Yeah. They do anything to you and you call the police. Nobody's coming. Nobody's coming. You're on your own. If you're that fucking stupid and you're so desperate for a job and you're willing to drive in here and get your ass into trouble, good luck. 
But if you're smart, you turn this thing right the fuck around and talk to your boss and ask him what the fuck is going on. And I'm just like, I, I don't I don't know what to do. I was told that if I don't if I don't get this, if I don't get the items or if I don't get the payments, I'll be fired. And the cop had said, well, good. Maybe you should be fired. Maybe you should get a real job. Yeah. Turn around. Go back to uh, to rent a rent a vision in Messina, New York. And I talked to my boss, Mike, and I said, Mike, what's what's going on with the Oka standoff? And he said, oh, that. <laughs> <laughs> funny you should mention that. Hey, funny you should mention that. Yeah, these wild Indians are pissed because this country club tried to take some more of the Indians land to expand their golf course. Don't worry about it. Just do your job. So, of course, oh, sounds like something I need to worry about, boss, in sounds the course of doing my job. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of what I have to worry about. So I go back on the road. I think it was the next day and it was a, it was a hot July day. And I go to this one place and it was it's like it's a it was a double wide um, out in the middle of this, this wide open field. And I knocked on the door and they had a, a, a police scanner. You know, these native Americans had a police scanner so they can monitor what the police oh, yeah, were mon- doing. Yeah. Monitor your enemy's movements. That makes sense. So, I, so I knocked on the door and, and I, I said, my name is Eric and I work for rent vision and I'm sorry. I, um, I either need to get the payment, the weekly payment for this item. Or I have to take the item back. I'm standing at the door. And it was just like, no, you're not, you're not, you're not getting this item. And I says, do you mind if I come in? And I put one foot in to step in because that's what they do. They teach you how to push the limit. They, uh-huh. they teach you how to push the limit. And then, well, next thing you know, there's a shotgun pointed right at my face. Yeah. Now, when you have a shotgun pointed at your face, I don't care how cool you think you are. I don't care how peaceful you think you are you, and you think that you know how you're going to react. You have no idea how you're going to react until that actually finally happens. You have no idea. how. That. Huh? I will agree with that. You might think that you're a badass and you think that you could just. You no, know, you're just you're going to do one of three things. You're either going to try and grab the gun and get it away from your face. You're going to back away slowly and say, hey, I'm sorry, and leave and hope you don't get shot. Or you're going to shit or wet your pants. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to do one of three things. Yep. And this is the second time somebody held a gun at me. First time was my mother's boyfriend in my, in my mother's bedroom mm-hmm. Saturday afternoon while we were watching a John Wayne movie. I think it was called The Shootist. Um, and both times I was freaking terrified, but the second time, as you should be, as you should be, if you're not terrified when somebody holds a loaded shotgun to your face, there's something wrong with you. Indeed. You don't know what you're going to do. And well, there's no way you could. Right. So what did you do in this situation? I backed away slowly and I, I, and I walked back to the van. Um, I kept facing forward and apologizing. Um, and then just when I got to the van, they said, you want your police scanner? Here's your police scanner. And this, all this debris started like flying right towards me. And it's like, it's like I ducked. And just after I ducked, all this debris fell right in front of me. And it was this police scanner 
just smashed to pieces. Oh, so you were there to repossess their police scanner. I was there to. Yes. I'm sorry. I thought I made that clear. I was there to repossess the police scanner. So I gathered up all the parts that I could and I took it back. Right. I mean, what else are you going to do? Mike, this is what they gave me. And it's like, of course, Mike is pissed because he's in the comfort of the office. Right. And he's like, what the fuck? Why did you let them break it? You don't know how you're going to react in in instances like that. You think you're going to be like James Bond or Indiana Jones and you're going to like save the situation with a gun pointing at your head? You're going to do some heroics? Hell no, you're not. When it was time for me to go to Oswego to the corporate office for Rent-A-Vision for training, mandatory training, so you can be an official assistant manager or a manager of your own store. I had no intention of passing any of these classes or becoming a, but I took the CEO to task. This is what the fuck am I supposed to do in this situation? I didn't even know that I was going into this hazardous situation. I had no idea that if I was shot and killed or stabbed or murdered on any of these reservations, there's nothing that they could do for me. This is sovereign land. The police have no decision. And I wasn't told about this. Right. By my boss. What the hell? I didn't know the situation. CEO says that's the job. Wow. Wonder why they're out of business. Yeah, they were all bought up by Rent-A-Center. So to make a short story long, I, I empathize with some of the police who go into these situations. Now, granted, they have training. They know what to do or they should know what to do in these situations. When you see somebody holding a gun or holding a knife or a weapon and they're about to kill another person, you have no idea what you're going to do. You can you could play Monday morning quarterback. You can second guess what the police officer should do. But in the heat of the moment, you have no idea. The adrenaline surging through your body and. You're trying to figure out exactly what the hell's going on. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking lawsuits. You're thinking trial cases. You're thinking if I kill this person and I'm in the wrong, they, I'm going to my life is over. All of that goes through your head in the, the fraction of the instant. Right. I know that from talking to that one cop. Right. Yeah. It's what he said. It's went through his mind. And therefore, I can only extrapolate and assume that most people are going to have that going through their minds or something similar to that. So how much evaluation are they going to be able to do? How much do we expect them, a cop in that situation, to be able to evaluate in a fraction of an instant that exists between action on your part and action on the other person's part, which is lethal, you know? Yeah, And if they didn't shoot, would they be held accountable? You know, in that one particular instance where the cop walks up, someone's getting stabbed. If they had not taken action, would they have been liable to a, a lawsuit? Why didn't you save my kid? Because that's the other thing people forget. They're human. They've taken a life or a life was taken that they could have prevented. And they have to get up every day and look at themselves in the mirror after that. And they have to ask themselves, did I do enough? Right. Or did I do the right thing? You know, and then there's callous people that are out there and they're like, well, if they're not prepared to do that, they shouldn't take the job. Oh, okay, All right. Sure. So what sane person who's not out for power is going to want the job in that particular situation? 
Why would and you? Are those the kind of people you want to have that kind of job? Why would you? Why would you want a job like that? It's like, why would you want this? Why would you want this job? I mean, it's it's sort of like this. It's like, um, if you knew that there was a chance that that you could make a podcast where in the line of duty of doing a podcast, you could accidentally take someone's life. Uh, maybe this is a bad analogy and maybe I shouldn't run with it. But the thing is that it's like, yeah. if you, if you had, if you had a job where you knew that during the course of the day, at any random moment, something could happen and you could be asked to take someone's life because that person is committing an act of violence. And that if you don't do the right thing, you could go to jail for whatever reason you could lose everything just by simply doing your job and people trying to second guess you and what it is that you did. This right. cop, this cop who killed this teenage girl who was running around with a knife and was about to kill another teenage girl. Both of them happened to be black. The cop, the cop in this instance was screwed. He, he who knew what he, who knew what he should have done or not done. Right. What would be the, what is the right thing to do? You have five seconds. You see, Girl A with a knife chasing girl B. Girl B gets slammed up against an, a wall or whatever. Their girl A catches or whatever the situation was. And it's, the knife is coming down. You have to make a decision right now. Anything you've said so far seems to have fallen on death ears. What do you do? Yeah. No, what do you do? You know, and it, it's infuriating to think that someone is in a situation like that and they have that much time to think about it one second two seconds at the most and then 12 people are going to sit in nice suits and dresses in a jury box and have that split second decision evaluated and the rest of your life is going to hang on those two seconds yeah i had no idea how i was going to react when that shotgun was pulled on me oh and by the way i don't know if i remember this correctly but i think the other guy also had a big knife I had no idea how I was going to react. I think with a shotgun in your face, Eric, we can forgive you for not noticing what the other people in the room were doing. They could have been <laughs> naked having sex on the couch and you'd be like, I think they've got a gun. Right. <laughs> who fucking knows? Right. Who who honestly knows what I would do in yet another situation with guns? When people... When, when people are, are in the act of committing act of, acts of violence or they're preparing to do acts of violence and there are weapons involved, you have no idea what's, what, what you're going to do or how you're going to react or what the right thing is to do. You can practice all day long with fake knives and, and fake guns and you can think that, oh, I'm going to do this or this. You have no idea how your brain is going to react with this right and also understand that people say well if you get enough training it's instinctive really it's instinctive so what if you just got into an argument with your wife you got into a car accident on your way to work as you're walking from your car in the parking lot into the building all of a sudden someone's there with a gun or a knife in your hand are you saying your training is going to take over regardless of all the emotional turmoil that you've experienced in the last hour and a half yeah because if you're saying yes you're wrong so on the on the one hand, looking at the George Floyd case, and I, I don't know if we actually if we went long on this topic, we're only going to talk <laughs> about it for five minutes. We promise. Look at what happened with George Floyd and and uh, Derek. What's his face? Derek Chauvin. Derek Chauvin. 
I kind of blanked for a second and then I purposely said, what's his face? Yeah. Is that that's a that for me, that's a cut and dry. He killed someone. This other case that everybody's talking about now where the cop shot this teenage girl because he, she was about to stab another teenage girl. Both of them happened to be black. And you have LeBron James saying that the cop who shot the black girl who's wielding the knife, like he's next. He's next on the chopping block. I, I don't know how cops can look, can, can look at what happened and um, not feel demoralized by all of this. Right. And, and like... And and then at the same time, simultaneously, people are talking about defund the police. You don't think that goes through their heads too? It has to. Of course, it would have to. You know, oh, you're gonna you're gonna defund the police, which could cost me my job, and yet my job is to come out here <clears throat> to quote unquote serve and protect, right? Which many police forces don't even say that anymore. Yeah, they're just out there to enforce the law, and that's it. You know, they're setting up a situation where. They're ratcheting up tensions between the police and certain members of their community. So they're forcing a situation to become even worse that wasn't great to begin with. You know, I mean, it's I'm not saying that there's you don't have a right to redress the police and say, hey, listen, this is this is unacceptable behavior. But there's a way of doing it. Right. And the riots that because this is another thing, too, related to this. Florida passed law saying, if you riot, we don't give a fuck what your reason is. You're going to jail. You will be prosecuted, right? So you've got this ridiculous situation in our country where you have, for example, in San Francisco, police, no one's going to get prosecuted for less than, I think they said, $1,000 worth of theft. So now you have people literally walking into places like Walgreens, grabbing whatever medicine they want and walking out and no one's doing a damn thing because what are they going to do? The police, even if the police arrest them, nothing's going to come of it. So the police aren't going to bother arresting them. It's a waste of their time, you know? So now theft is going to drive the prices of everything up. And this is a going to affect, if you're talking a, a chain, a nationwide chain like Walgreens, that's going to drive all of our prices up. Of course. Right. Because they're refusing to prosecute. Now I get, to some extent, I get what they're saying, you know, but at the same time, the law is the law and you're either going to follow the law or you're not going to follow the law. And this is where, again, this is a complex topic because now you're getting into like gun control and other things. If someone's willing to break into your home, what makes you think that a law saying that they shouldn't have a gun is going to prevent them from having exactly. a gun, you know? So you're defunding the police and they're saying, well, we don't really want to defund the police. We just think the police have too much responsibility. Then fucking say that. Come up with a different goddamn slogan. Well, it's a nuanced position. I don't care how nuanced it is. If what you're saying is our police are overworked, then say our police are overworked. You know what? You're going to get a lot of people agreeing with you on that. They have too much accountability, too much responsibility. We need to share those responsibilities out. That makes a lot of sense. When you say defund the police, it sounds like you're against law enforcement. Exactly. What, and if that wasn't part of your set, your stance, you would have chosen a different slogan. Yeah. Right. And if you didn't think of that, it's not too late to change the damn slogan either. You know, well, that's what the hashtag is. You know how easy it is to create a hashtag on Twitter? You press the pound key and you put a string of letters behind it. Boom. New hashtag. 
Yeah. You know, and if you're claiming that your statement is nuanced, why are you unwilling to accept the nuanced opinions of people on the other side of the aisle? Right. They are they too stupid to have a nuanced position? Because if that's what you think, then you really don't want to have a discussion at all. You just want everyone to comply with what you want. We call that tyranny if you actually get into power. You know, and this is you can make these logical leaps and you can get up to the reason why our government is fucking paralyzed and can't do a goddamn thing. And how every election from here on out is going to be Twitter wars and why Twitter needs to the government needs to decide whether or not these people are publishers or are they just a platform if they're just a platform they're not responsible for what goes on therefore it is illegal and a violation of the first amendment for them to be censoring the conduct and if they are responsible for it then they can now be prosecuted for say not letting one person compare a political party to the Nazis, but letting another person compare a political party to the Nazis. You can't have it both ways. You're either one or the other because the law needs to be able to apply to you. Yeah. You know, but including and including and especially police. I mean, we have to be able to say. I mean, exactly. I mean, the the police have to be held accountable. And have well, to be subject the to the thing. same. Are we so sure they're not being held accountable? Well, you know, I, I didn't want to bring this up, but basically, I guess we're just talking about the police this week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did an episode of True Crime one on one with Jenny Carreri more than a year ago. I believe it was a year ago. And she was talking to me about the difficulty that she had with the Baltimore police in trying to help solve her sister's murder case. It's been, I think it's been 20 or 25 years since Jenny's sister was killed. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that she ran into when she had discovered is just overwhelming corruption and incompetence in the Baltimore police department. What do you say to that? Right. And there's an overwhelming sense that they're covering something up. We don't know what. We don't know what they're covering up. We can only speculate Speculate by the way that they're behaving. They're covering something up because they won't do their jobs. And it's almost as if they purposefully botched this murder case, the investigation. Right. Because they're see now in that situation. And I seem to remember that the interview you had with her. And I think it was less than a year ago. But anyway. In that particular situation, you're left with, okay, so you guys are either incompetent or you're corrupt, which is it? Because incompetence can be fixed. So can corruption, but we got to fix them different ways. We have to know what the problem is here. And neither one are what they were going to want to admit to. But if it's corruption, it's only corruption of a few key people. Well, then, hey, maybe you can get rid of those people. You know, it's just like you can apply it to your job. There is one guy that you or one person that you work with. That is incompetent. They're an idiot. Yeah. No one seems to want to do anything. And now you have an opportunity to get rid of that idiot. But in order to get rid of that idiot, you have to admit that everyone knows that this guy's been incompetent for a while. Right. I would take a little egg on my face and get rid of the incompetent guy rather than having people continue to think that the entire group is corrupt. Right. Yeah. 
but that's me, and I can be a little bit of a hardline asshole sometimes. No. Never me. Really? <laughs> but it's but that's the situation that these people are in, right? And it's just like that one YouTuber said, BLM could have made the issue less about Derek Chauvin when they were in court, and they could have made it more about the endemic racism of the Minneapolis police, and they chose not to. Now, if you're a cynic, which I am, you could say that that's because BLM knows that once they root out the systemic racism, they no longer have a job. They no longer have a purpose. And they made something over, I think it was $2 billion last year from donations. There's a lot of money in this, quote unquote, disorganized organization. Right. Right. Because we're supposed to believe BLM is a grassroots thing and that there is no centralized government, no centralized governing body. If that's the case, then where are all these donations going and who's getting all of that money? Right. Well, one of the things that we were going to talk about a while ago about how one of the founders of Black Lives Matter just bought a multi-million dollar home in the Beverly Hills area of California in a predominantly white neighborhood. And that's not a can of worms that I want to finish opening on this right. episode. But I do seem to think that there's so much exploitation going on here with all of these cases and people trying to move the ball forward and exploiting these horrible situations to advance their agenda. I don't know if that made sense or not. Well, do you have these horrible things that are happening in the news? And they said, oh, now's the time for change. Now's the time for this, for us to do this, that, and the other thing. And the thing is, is that, yeah, granted, what happened to George Floyd is absolutely, totally horrible. And this cop should have, and he was brought to, to justice. I don't know if that's an excuse to burn the city down and dismantle the entire police department, even after I just said, and in a previous episode of our podcast, I was talking to Jenny Carreri, who found overwhelming evidence that there's corruption going on in the police department. I don't think that we should abolish the police. While at the same time, I'm saying that we should take serious looks at what's going on in all of the police departments throughout the country and say we need to make serious changes. I think one of the other changes, and I've said this many times before, we need to demilitarize the police. We had a big, huge push after September 11 to militarize the police because of this other eminent threat. Like there's going to be another September 11th any minute now. We need to make sure that the police are prepared. And of course, there was the Keene Pumpkin Festival where these rowdy um, uh, fraternity brothers and alumni raised all kind of kind of hell during the pumpkin, uh, the Keen pumpkin festival and the police were dispatched and they, and they sent out these like military attack vehicles with the like police logo. And it was, and the thing is, is that did that make it better or did it make it worse? No, it made it worse. Right. right. Now this is the thing too, though. People are keep saying that police should, should receive de-escalation training. They do depending on the municipality. Right. I know like when I was in the Coast Guard back in the fucking 90s, we received de-escalation training that 
that's part of use of force is de-escalation. You have to be one step ahead of them in terms of US use of force while at the same time trying to get them to realize you're one step ahead of them so that they will not force you to take the next step. That's all part of that training. And from numerous police officers that I've spoken with, that is part of all of their training that I've seen. That doesn't mean that that's 100%, but de-escalation only only is effective if the other side's willing to de-escalate. When you have someone who's not complying with what you say, you have to escalate. Otherwise, other people are going to die. Well, you need to de-escalate. Okay, so someone's got a gun pointed at me. I need to de-escalate, so I'm going to put my gun away. Is that going to incentivize them to not shoot me or the hostage that they have or whatever situation is going on, if they're not listening to what I'm saying when I tell them to stop and put the knife down, how is me putting my gun away going to incentivize them to put the knife down and stop chasing that other teenage girl? You know, it's fine to have all of these policies that people say that the police need to have. Most of them probably already exist, but you also are dealing with humans, which means some of them are not going to follow those policies. Some of them are going to think that they're bullshit. I've been doing this for 20 years. I know what I'm doing, right? You're going to run into that attitude. Now, is that corruption? Well, it's arrogance, but is it corruption? Is it incompetence? Eh, you could make the argument for incompetence. Is it systemic? Is it part of the system or is it endemic, i.e., is it part of the reason why people go into that position? And if it's endemic, how do you change that? How do you make that position more appealing to other people? You know, yeah. in the case of what, what um, Jenny's exper experienced in Baltimore, they're either incompetent or they're corrupt. But is it systemic or endemic? Is it their policies that's the problem? Or is it the individuals that yes. are supposed to be following those policies? Yeah. You know, and what do you do with that? How do you get rid of those individuals? She seems to be doing everything she can to raise awareness of it. Yeah, and she's, right? and she's lost everything. I mean, she's she's literally lost everything in trying to find her sister's killer. Right. And it's and it's like she's pretty much sacrificed her life, given up her her happiness to get to the bottom of what actually happened to her sister. And I and I, I don't. I don't think my sister would do that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, I, if I if, if I was murdered, I my sister wouldn't do that. My well, sister wouldn't try and get to the bottom of your sibling relationships are not exactly normal, healthy. I was going to say normal. I... <laughs> but the but but the problem absolutely totally remains. And I think that this is the conclusion that I have come to is that this is not the cause of societal decay and collapse. This is a symptom of societal collapse and decay. The reason why this is happening the way it's happening is because other aspects of society are crumbling yeah. and we don't have respect for authority and authority doesn't have respect for us. Well, the last time that happened on this continent was in the 1700s. I I think that there is something horrible that's going to happen as a part of this. I don't think I do. I 
I completely, totally disagree with some people who say that this fixes everything. The fact that one cop was convicted. No, you know what? Let's see more bad cops get convicted for the crimes that they've committed. Let's see other bad police officers held responsible for their bad behavior. Right. And here's the key thing to that, right? You have to make it about the individual bad actors and not about the police as a whole. Otherwise, you're attacking the group and the group's going to defend themselves. If you want the, the, the bad performers, the individual bad performers to be eliminated and for that behavior to be ostracized within the community, you don't hold all of them accountable for the actions of a few. You point out the actions of the few, you identify them as being the actions of the few, and you make that an untenable situation within the group and the group will ostracize them. Demonizing the enemy is going to galvanize the enemy, right? And if the enemy are bad actors, you have to isolate the bad actors. So again, defund the police, come up with a different slogan if that's not what you want. If you don't want to attack all of the police, then don't attack all of the police. Everyone in this country, regardless of the position they're in, has, is innocent until proven guilty. Derek Chauvin was judged guilty before he stepped foot in the courtroom. I know I judged him as guilty. But justifiably so, after watching the video. Therefore, according to our trial, our, our judicial law, this is where you get into the more nuanced arguments, right? If every single one of those jurors walked into there with him being guilty in their minds before they sat down in those seats, that is a mistrial because he any evidence that was presented in his defense was going to be ignored. That's according to the way our laws are set up, the way our, judi our judicial system is set up. You have to be tried and you're innocent until proven guilty. And if people walk into the jury box thinking he's guilty and they have to prove their innocence, then that is going to be justification for the defense to push for another trial. I don't disagree with you. I mean, obviously, I don't disagree with you. At it doesn't the, make it right. It doesn't make it doesn't make it it doesn't make it right. I mean, the thing is, I thought I saw that video. Bang, fucking guilty. Yeah, and the I thing, saw that video and I and I was pissed. Yeah. So I looked and I found the longer video, and even with the longer video, I came out of the end of it going. I can see where he made his mistake, but he still made a mistake. It's just, I don't think it was a malicious murder. I don't think it was, honestly, I saw nothing in there to indicate that he was racist. I don't think it was a racially driven thing. I think he was just, honestly, I, I think he's just kind of an asshole. He's right. an arrogant cur who was abusing his power. Because there were some of the less experienced police that were saying, hey, I think he's had enough. And he said, I'm the senior police on site. I'm the senior officer. Yeah. Okay. Then it's on your head. You know, I don't know if any of the other police are going to be have been recommended for trial. I really don't. I don't know if any of them should be because in all honesty, it's been a while since I looked into it. Maybe some of them do. Maybe them. Maybe they, you know, I seem to remember at least one voice saying, I think he's had enough, but I, it was off camera and I don't know if it was a police officer that said it. Yeah. And I have no idea where we're going to go from here as a society well it doesn't help when you've got people that are sensationalizing shit right 
when you have people like Barack Obama saying that we need to rethink how we police, I don't think we're there. I don't think maybe in the future we will be, but right now is not the time for us to be saying we need to rethink how we're going to do policing because those are things that take decades to do, right? It takes a long-term strategy and plan to do that. Is it a wrong thing to to entertain as a possibility? No, it's the wrong time to say it, right? Right now, there's a lot of high tensions. There's a lot of hurt feelings and anger and strong emotions involved. People are not thinking clearly right now, right? And frankly, Barack Obama does not have a good track record in no. this particular arena. So he should keep his mouth shut. Right. Let Joe as bad as he's as bad in this arena as Trump talking about, you know, how people should not denigrate the Me Too movement. Trump has no ground to stand on there and neither does Barack Obama. I'm sorry he doesn't. You know, he's got a history of jumping the gun and demonizing police. So he's clearly chosen sides in this. So when someone like that says we need to rethink how we do policing in this country, everyone that is disagrees with him like me are going to automatically discount everything he says oh absolutely you know and it's not the right time for that anyway we've got to here's a thought de-escalate the situation before we can actually discuss about what it is that needs to happen and we don't have anyone that i've seen in the media that is willing to do that on either side both sides are ratcheting up the pressure because they get more clicks that way. But until we start treating the police like they want, we want them to treat us as an individual, regardless of the uniform they wear. I'm not convicting the entire Minneapolis Police Department because of what Derek Chauvin did. I don't. I think that's the wrong thing to do. And you can't convict the entire, all of the police in the United States. You can't convict the LA police based on the Baltimore police's incompetence or, um, well, yeah, they're either incompetent or corrupt. So you can't convict the LAPD based on that. You've got to convict the LAPD based on the LAPD. And even then, you've got to look at the individuals involved. Yeah. That is the same kind of backwards thinking that leads to racism. Well, this one black guy beat up my friend when we were kids. So I hate black people. Well, that's stupid. Why don't you hate the one guy that did it? Or better yet, why don't you find out why the one guy did it? Maybe your friend was being an asshole and he deserved an ass kicking. What's the full story? Exactly. And our media, in spite of the fact that with our technology, there's no excuse why they don't. Our media are not interested in finding the full story. Right. Unless it fits their narrative. Let's fit the narrative first, shall we? Exactly. Let's figure out what the narrative for is first. And. How do we want to present this? How is it that we and how yeah. how, how is it that we're we're like for a topic that we were not going to talk about? We're an hour and fifteen minutes into this. <laughs> yeah. That's just how we were. That's that's how that's that's. How that's <laughs> oh, let me just fit in this one last anecdote in my life and 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 get this. I do have to just sort of like put a pin in this. I do have to sort of like move on from this topic. Yep. And I think that the actual final conclusion that I've, I've come up with is that um, the conviction, God help us if it's overturned of, um, yeah. 
of um, Derek Chauvin. God help us if the conviction is overturned because of a mistrial, thanks to something that Maxine Waters has said. God help us if somehow Derek Chauvin is allowed to walk because of, of something something stupid somebody said because they were trying to score points with their constituencies or they were trying to make a name for themselves or keep them keep their names in the news god help us if this thing is overturned because i don't think the city of minneapolis can handle much more of this uh, much more of the violence i don't think that they could withstand any more riots yeah, I but I do. I, and the final thing that I'm going to say about this is that I, I think that it's time for our local governments to take a serious look at the bad cops in their own police departments and do something about it. And they and here's the thing. They know who it is. And we should do oh, everything yeah. that we can to support the good cops who are trying to do the right thing. Period. End of story. Thanks right. for listening. Thank you for listening to my TED talk. <laughs> Exactly. And it's funny because, like, I see this in the veteran community, too. A lot of veterans are like, you know, anyone who served is a good guy. And the truth is, anyone who served is someone who served or a person. We seem to forget that after World War II, it was the veterans that formed all of the 1%, which are the main focus of the FBI's organized crime units now. Mafia is pretty much been and gone at this stage. Yeah the motorcycle gangs that they're more concerned about and they were started by veterans yeah so a veteran is a person so are cops cops are people and we have to treat them as people you know you can't say just because you put on a uniform now you are elevated or you're a different person i served with a lot of guys that i thought were assholes and i served with more than a few that were racist because not because that's something that is appealing serving is not appealing to racists the amount of racism I saw is about proportion with what I see in the civilian world, too. Yeah. It's just more obvious when you're living with them on 400-foot-long vessel. It's You're just going to notice it more. Yep. You know, the police, the military, medical field, uh, politicians, they're all just slices of our society as a whole. And if there's corruption in any of them, which there is, if there's incompetence in any of them, which there is, it's because we as a society have elements of incompetence and corruption within us. And if you don't want to be held accountable for what something, say, your neighbor did, then don't hold all police accountable for some the actions of one person. You'd think this would be basic understanding, but that's not how our society is. Part of that is because of the media, part of that is because of us, so where do we go from here? Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Fedora Chronicles radio show. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. 
Don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, Chronicle at google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions. And if it's any good, we promise we will read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme songs for the show are Royal Flush and Black Cabaret by Olive Music. All other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by Premium Beats from Shutterstock. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020. All rights reserved. On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Renner King Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on. <laughs>